And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. It was a perfect night for the Jets. Young players playing well, the Jets led most of the game, and they blew it in the fourth quarter to take another step Towards Trevor Lawrence. They also covered the spread if you bet on them, and I did in our picks pool. What a night it was. I'm Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes, our Jets beat writer, and our producer, Marissa Morris. We're going to get into Monday night, what went right, what went wrong, but we need to start with Saturday afternoon. You demanded it. We're going to deliver it. Terps talk with Marissa Morris (laughs) as we weigh in on Maryland taking down Penn State. That's right. They're 3-0, Marissa. Marissa, the no, Florida they're not Wars. three and zero. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. They came sorry. out versus Northwestern in Week That's One right. and looked like a complete different team. My they won friend, the game that counted. Yes, one hundred percent. Since Tagovailoa, they are undefeated. Well, he played the first game, but he looked a little right. different. Never mind. You're digging your grave, <laughs> Jordan. Go ahead. You all right, none of us know about that. Maryland anyway. Well, it's fine. Well, here's the thing. Connor's face in that reaction was like he was so confused, like he couldn't remember. Saturday, what? Saturday, like I asked him something what he did this morning. He had something going on, and he didn't remember what he did this morning. So Connor, that not wrong. Real, that should be real good to preview. But I am podcast. on time. But I am yeah, on time for the first time ever. For the first time, like like we started at ten o'clock. Like ten a.m. is when we he started. He was like, "All right, guys, let's go, it. let's go." Um, well, I yeah. saw some. Dude, blow me up in the car. No, I'm not taking your moment. I'm sorry. I'm not Kanyeing this. I'm not Kanyeing this. It's you. It's you. I'm not um, gonna let you finish in a moment. I'll let you finish it. So now. I think I mentioned during the DraftKings ad last week. Um, you know, big game. Everyone was, you know, not feeling it. Maryland, okay. No, maybe not known as a football school, but hey, they came out versus Penn State and looked absolutely incredible. So this weekend. Versus number three, Ohio State. It's going to be real. It's going to be real interesting. If Jets fans, you can tune in to watch Justin Fields. That's what you think you're going to watch just in case the Jets don't end up with Trevor Lawrence. Because after what we saw last night, hey, they might win a few games here this year. Maybe won't end up with Trevor Lawrence. Maybe they'll have to settle for Justin Fields. So tune in for Justin Fields. But the real quarterback you're going to want to see is Talia Tugavailoa. In the red, black, and gold. <laughs> when they're Jets tanking take again him in, in the years. twenty, yeah, yeah twenty twenty-two. Yeah, yeah, when they're draft. tanking again in two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, that, like, like, go. like we said last, Tim and I were talking before the show. Jets fans can thank a Terp if they are looking to tank for Trevor Lawrence, and that's J.C. Jackson with that big interception last night to lead the Patriots to victory. There you go, another Terp. Yeah, another Dexter McDougal yeah. was a Terp. I'm trying to think of all the Maryland kids because Popper. Dan Popper used to cover the Jets was a uh, Ty Johnson, the the Jets punt returner. So it was a Terp. There you go. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, we got I got to send Marissa to uh, to rant school. 
We're gonna send her to rant and rave yeah. school. I was a little, a little too polite. I was, like, I was hey, expecting you to come in. Rocking and rolling. And yes, my... yes. And a, <laughs> I wanted a, I wanted a Maryland jersey. I wanted your face painted red and gold. I wanted you to come in with like a an F Penn State sign behind you. I wanted it all. I wanted to see it all. That was like kind of said, dude, you just be, get I, the shit out of the Nittany Lions. We're talking about Penn State. Like, at, in Happy Valley, out of Penn too. State. Let's just add yes, Let's amazing. just say, let's oh. just say, seeing uh, James Franklin's face under oh, his Oh, he's cap, so overrated. He yeah. is so overrated. Well, Maryland, over- has, people- Maryland has a history with him. He was a coach at Maryland. Right. Um, and then they did not bring him why. back to be the head coach. So he does not oh, like Maryland. And he has spoken out. Um, pretty vocally about how much uh, and they kicked his like ass. Yeah, I am so over that crap school getting just all of this press about. I am taking your rant for you. This crap school getting all. Oh, look at this recruiting class. We got the number three class in the country. We got the number two class in the country. We got the number one. They've had the top five recruiting class every goddamn year since those shank since those sanctions were egregiously lifted early. They've had the time and James Franklin. Oh, look how motivated. Look at him running out with his friend with his team out of the tunnel. White wave, everybody. You just got your ass kicked by Maryland. Maryland, Maryland just wiped the floor with Penn State. I didn't even watch the game because I was like, there's no way Penn State's actually going to lose this one. I, was, I went out on a date with Bree. We go out, we set, like, we post up, and ESPN's on in the corner, and they're like, upset alert, and they check in on Penn State. And I text him, and I was like, holy shit, are you okay? Like, Meanwhile, kick- I'm doing cartwheels oh. back and forth in my living room. Like, this oh my is a God. great day. The only thing. That is keeping James Franklin from not being the the that conference's bum is the fact that Harbaugh is even worse at Michigan. Yep. But like you've got to be kidding. This every year is how great of a recruiting class ever. This is the year. Penn State started the season ranked five. They were ranked five and they just lost to Maryland. Like this is just, it's amazing. I love it. I love it. There are very few things that make me happy, and I'm sorry for any Penn State alum because there's probably. A let shit me out. check the chat. I'm a little nervous. Uh, sure, <laughs> but nothing makes me happier than watching that school lose. Nothing. Props to the nothing. Maryland social media team too, though. Oh, I yeah. I love the the tweet. You were, we are. Everybody knows, of course, Penn oh, State with yes, their whole good. "we are" chant. We yes. are Penn State. Yeah. So they tweeted a and picture. Last week, you were last not. Week it was really you good are too. winless, aren't they? Winless right now. Yeah. Aren't they yeah, three? Yeah. Winless. Yeah, you are winless. Indiana, That's what you are. We are nothing. You are winless. Yeah, the, the social media team That's a college the football. for sure. They uh they really were killing it on uh they used the picture of um CNN with the with the <laughs> Pennsylvania. Um it was, you know, we were wondering what which way Pennsylvania was gonna go that day, and they put the Maryland flag over it and they showed you really <laughs> which way Pennsylvania went. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's even better. That's even that's really good. All right, back to the Jets we go. And you mentioned the interception. Let's start there. We're going to get into some of the players who played well on Monday night. We'll talk about tanking for Trevor because we get to check in on that all the time and Darnold and everything like that. But I think we should start with the second half of the fourth quarter, which may go down as the half quarter that saved the Jets' season, Connor, because they looked good. Three quarters. Joe Flacco was slinging it 17 of 22, 254, three touchdowns. This team was moving it up and down the field against, a, obviously, a Patriots team that is not what it once was. But then in that final half of the fourth quarter, Flacco throws the pick, which was basically a punt on first down. 
and Pierre Desir before that with the complete meltdown defensively. <laughs> Flacco amazing. on the final drive. Like yeah, he he didn't get sacked all night until they needed oh. to run the clock out. He gets sacked, then he throws the ball away. It just all came together for the tankers in that final five minutes, basically. Dude, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, they're going to do it. They're going to blow. And I'll tell you what, like this season, like I, Chris and I always talk like uh, my editor, Chris Strauss and I always talk like about, all right, how are we going to make this interesting? Like, how are we going to make this? Like, what, what are we going to write? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, what are we going to write after the game? That's different and unique. Cause like the weird thing about the jets right now is there's not really like the player, like in 17, like Sam was a rookie. So it was like, it didn't matter if the jets were, were, losing all these games and they weren't close like you just focused on sam and every game was a sam story sam did this sam did that uh next year what was kind of like the jets went on that late season run the six and two runs it was actually like crap could they actually make the playoffs if not we'll look at all these promising pieces this year though has been the worst like uh, like i it was seriously since before people got to thanksgiving like or their their halloween costumes like this season's been over like it's been done so it's kind of been about like they're officially how do you eliminated find it? from the uh afc east correct Oh, uh, um, I believe last night. Oh, with the Bills win in there. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Even if I they are even, to win out. <laughs> they were eliminated from that, like after the first half of the opener. But yeah. Um, in case I, I they was wanted wa- to go on a real good run towards the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, so like it's always been about, like, how do you make it interesting? So watching this game was like the first time, like, like first Curta comes, I'm like, all right, well, if the Jets win, it's obviously it's a whole draft story where it's like, how did this just impact it? I was like, if the Jets lose and it's like a two touchdown, like a typical, like, you know, 24-14, like one of those type games, uh, easy thing. It's just the ex-additional observations that we normally run today. We'll just run after the game. You know, there's no point in hammering another game story with Flacco starting. You can't even focus on Darnold. As that game's going on, I was like, and all of a sudden the Jets start looking like they're going to blow it. I finally messaged Chris. I was like, man, I was like, I don't know what the hell to write. I was like, what the hell are we doing? Like, you can't write the exit. So what we ended up going with, which I thought was kind of cool, was like, a joke story where it was like the right. jets won by losing. You know what I mean? Like we wrote the story about like how, you know, they, they, they almost blew a victory. Like in terms of, they almost blew the loot. The, they almost blew a victory by winning when the win was lo- like that kind of a thing. And I thought it worked. Like it was a fun, different, like funny story, like a way to write off of that game. But seriously, man, watching it was like, they're going to do it. Like they're going to win a game. Like they're going to hand Trevor Lawrence to someone else. And you just saw like Belichick smirking on the sideline. Like, I got you again, Jets. I got you again. It was so, <laughs> it looked like it was going to be such, the, it was so Jets. Like what was about to happen those first three quarters, man, it was so Jets. It was, the, it wasn't even like Sam was out there lighting it up where you could like hang your hat on like, okay, you know what? You don't need Trevor Lawrence if Sam keeps playing like this. You weren't talking about that. Like we were, you were talking about literally uh, the Joe Flacco who's not going to be on this team next year lighting up the New England Patriots to guys like Brashad Perryman, who might not be on this team next year, without Quinn and Williams on the field. Like, all these Jets that you don't care about are about to win a game against the Patriots and Bill Belichick to take Trevor Lawrence out of the equation. Like, it was so Jets. And then that fourth quarter came around, man, and it was like, again, it was the Jets. The Jets were about to let the loss slip away. And then they reached out and they gained it right back. Whether it was the twelve men on the field on that on the oh uh, yeah, I forgot about that one on a field goal attempt. Yeah, to set up just it still ended up being a field goal drive, but to set up the chip shot, it It actually took a lot of time off the clock though. It was a seventeen play drive that went sixty yards. Yeah, seventeen. It's sixty yards. It's seventeen plays. That's amazing. 
Like it's hard enough to see 17 play drives, let alone ones that only go 60 yards. Like it was remarkable. It was almost like the Patriots were trying to kill the clock. They were like, we just, we're wanting to get out of here. Like, let's just take the loss and, and get the hell out of here. Like they were trying to eat the clock. And then all of a sudden, like you're, you're, you're that, that, like the field goal drive happens. You're like, all right, next play, Joe Flacco. You're like, all right, well, the Jets, they've moved the ball. Literally, they moved the ball all the first half. Their only drive of the third quarter, they went 75 yards and 11 plays for a touchdown. Like, they're just going to do it again. They're going to march down the field. They're going to kick a field goal, something like that, make it a two-possession game again, and this one's going to be over. Holy crap, Jets win. First play, the guy who has been just abused by Brashad Perryman tonight comes up with the interception. Jackson, J.C. Jackson comes up with the pick. Suddenly, you're like, oh, my God, the Patriots are in motion. They go all the way down the field. Pierre Desir, that was a five-yard curl, and then he just was like, <laughs> okay, he, you can go. Like, that was the most amazing play I've ever seen. Like, it was just a, con- a little curl. Just a little curl. It's just a five-yard curl. And he just catches the ball and he just runs away. And Pierre Desir is like, oh, well, oh, well. And just lets him go. I was like, that was so pro-tank. Like, that guy was so pro-tanking. And he's just running away. And then all of a sudden, you start to see, like, the wheels start going. And it's like, man, the Jets might actually blow this one. Like, they might or they might, they might finally succeed in losing the game. They might succeed in getting the loss. And you saw him. Uh, the, the field goal drive, obviously, which we talked about the touchdown drive aided by which the, the two runs by Cam Newton from the, the three yard line to the one yard line to punch it in. That was the touchdown. And obviously the jets go three and out to give the ball back to the Patriots. And I'll tell you what, man, the, the one thing that like really stood out from that last drive from new England for me was that was a real gutsy call not to call that timeout uh, right after Cam Newton. It's at, it kept it on, I think it was a third and one or fourth and one where he picked up five yards, the play before he hit, um, who the hell was that wide out? The guy who lit up Myers. Jacoby, Jacoby Myers. Myers. Yeah. Yeah. Right before he hit Myers down to the Jets 33. Uh, when he took that quarterback sneak, there was 18 seconds left. And instead of just immediately going to the, the sideline going timeout, they snapped the ball, which took it all the way down to eight seconds. So you ran 10 seconds off the play clock. So that was literally like if if Newton sails that ball over Myers' head or if he skips it to Myers, like he'd done for most of the day when he tried to throw beyond 10 yards, if he had done that, you have to throw a Hail Mary and the game's over. So like you really, like, I don't understand. And I I rarely question Bill Belichick's clock management. That was one, because if you immediately call your timeout, right? Like you now have 16 seconds left. You can go sideline, sideline. And if you're going five yards, five yards, you can go 10 yards. Like you have two plays on the sideline, catch the ball, get out. Even if you, you get um, an incompletion, you still have another opportunity. You basically set yourself up where you have to complete this pass because if it's incomplete, if it's anything else, game's over and honestly where you talk about situational football not situational football that's where the jets had no clue those guys in the secondary i don't think they realized that the middle of the field was still open because the way that that defense was set up they were covering the sideline that the jets were saying we're taking away the sideline which is why myers was wide open in the middle of the field on the soft zone the jets were not they weren't focusing on the middle which is why he was wide open there and i don't think they realized maybe that the Patriots still had a timeout. I don't think they realized like the middle of the field was in play and, uh, and it cost them or the, Hey, it actually worked out. The jets won last night by losing, Ben. it was, it was dangerously close to this team, not, or th- it was dangerously close to this team losing the game or winning a game, dangerously close to this team winning a game. And they were so they were able to pull out the loss. That was close. And they, they keeps the Trevor Lawrence dream alive. I wonder if they were thrown off by the fact that the Patriots didn't call the earlier timeout. Like, oh, they must not have a timeout. They would have used it before. I don't know. But it was it was interesting after this game because I think that I think that at this point, there's still a split. Like there are some fans, I think, for every team, every professional sports team that refuse to embrace the tanking and yeah. will you know what I mean? Like they, they just don't buy into that. Um I think that's probably 
less than 50% at this point for the Jets at this point. Yeah. But um, it's fun seeing the reactions and then listening to Adam Gase after the game because at this point, you, you would almost appreciate it if he was like, hey, that was a pretty good performance. We played well. We lost. Trevor's still on the table. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, seriously. you can't say that. So he said the same things that he said. This team came out here and, and fought so hard and left it all, all out on the field which I would say, Connor, other than obviously those last few minutes where there was some mental mistakes and and Pierre Desir physically letting down on that play, <laughs> but um, they did. I mean, this team was under – they didn't have Makai Becton for most of the game. Quinn and Williams didn't play in this game. Um, they had you know Flacco instead of Darnold. They did have the receiving core, which we'll get into. But this team played hard, man, against a rival. They played hard, left it out on the field. They're just a bad football team. But it's amazing so to me – that uh, yeah, it's amazing to me to be honest that at zero and nine or zero and eight going into this game, that this team is still bringing it as much as they are week to week. Yeah, and and that yeah, and that's the one thing that you can because people always talk about it, like we we talked about it so much earlier in in this season when it, when it became and you know the whole Adam Gase job status thing we're gonna get to as well. But we talked about this very early on about why haven't the Jets fired you know, Gase, why haven't the Jets fired Gase like the Falcons did Dan Quinn? You know, why haven't the Jets fired Gase? You know, get him out of here, get him out of here, get him out of here. The one thing that the Jets hadn't done last season and they hadn't done to this point this season, they hadn't quit. You know what I mean? Like they were losing games because they were out coached. They were losing games because the team on the other sideline had significantly more talent. They haven't lost games because guys just mailed it in and packed it in. Like they they do try every single week. They do go at it every single. The locker room is still great. I mean, you watch the first twenty minutes of Jets practice. Everyone's laughing, dancing on the in the team stretch. So you can tell these guys genuinely like being around each other. There's no locker locker room split. There's no locker room fracture. They haven't quit on the coaching staff. Like the team is still together. They're still fighting every single week, which is one of the reasons why you do keep a coach around until you can't. Because again. The one sign of no return, the one point of no return is when guys quit on the coach. When the, when the guys say, okay, I'm tuning the coach out, I'm done. And you can tell when that happens. And that has not happened with the Jets. That's evident by the 0-8 team going toe-to-toe with the Patriots. And like you said, dude, they were lighting it up. The offensive line didn't allow a sack until until their the offense's final possession. They allowed just three quarterback hits, too. So it wasn't like Flacco was throwing it away for his life. He don't he only got hit three times before that sack on on the on the Jets offenses final possession they were running the ball well too frank gore was getting it going a little bit p ryan was a little bit slower but still like they had a decent one-two punch and those uh receivers were lighting up mims a career high 62 yards again well i don't want to touch too much because i know we're going to get into it but like the receivers were going out and flacco was making throws where you were like what the hell is that like that touchdown pass that he threw to perryman gorgeous the ball to jamison crowder was probably the best pass i've seen a jets quarterback make since I've been on the beat for six years, like that was that was a stunning throw yep. in the corner of the end zone to Crowder, and then Crowder making just as impressive as a toe tapping grab there to stay in bounds with the defender draped all over. I mean, this was a Jets team that wasn't just looking good; they were humming, like they were really. Ro- I was about to say it. Shit, I was about rocking to say it. I was about to say rocking and rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. I mean, but seriously, they were like really going, like they were really going, and I remember watching it and thinking like. If the Jets win this game, and I kind of alluded to it, like if the Jets win this game, I had to imagine that fans would feel so much different. Seriously, they would have felt so much different if it was Sam as the guy under center. 
Like if it was Sam that was leading the first victory against the Patriots in eight attempts, if it was Sam making that throw to Crowder, if it was Sam stretching the field, if it was Sam moving around and making plays against a Bill Belichick defense, which actually has been pretty solid this year. I mean, they shut down Jamal, uh, Josh Allen or kept Josh Allen contained at least two weeks ago. And you just saw what Josh Allen did to the Jamal Adams led Seahawks defense, <laughs> but you just saw what, what, uh, what, what, you know, he just did to them. So, I mean, if you saw it like, Sam was the one that was doing all this stuff. You would have been like, man, you know what? Like I can take a loss because this is the game that can kind of like propel me going forward that, you know what? Yeah. Maybe we don't get Trevor Lawrence, but Sam really showed something. Maybe he keeps it going next week against the chargers. And then, you know, he still got some tough defenses in the Rams, but if he shows what he did against the Patriots against the Rams, you know, maybe we don't win, but it's like a building block here. And if you really do surround him with talent, we can, we can get this thing going, but to see like Joe Flacco do it, like, it's almost like, man, you're losing out on Trevor Lawrence. You get that conspiracy theory in the back of your head that Bill Pelichick is throwing this game just so he doesn't have to see Trevor Lawrence for the next 15 seasons, 15 years. And it's like, why? Like, why win this game? But luckily for the Jets, they they didn't. They did not blow the loss. They did not blow the loss. They lost the game. You saw good things from Mims. You saw good things from P. Ryan. The offensive line looked like it started gelling. Uh, you saw the team stretch the field and and Perryman and and obviously it was making plays like he looked like Robbie Anderson um, and and you, you still get the loss. So you see competitive football, you see a good game, you see young guys start to make some progress and then you have the uh, the the loss still come in to keep you in play for for Trevor Lawrence. But like Marissa actually said earlier in the show, like if Jets keep playing like this. They might sneak one out because they still got to play the Patriots again and, and they got a chance to see the uh, the Chargers who obviously have their own issues. I mean. They, they got to get back to some of the ineptitude because we that actually looked like a competent football team on, on Monday night. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, we mentioned Adam Gase and we have arrived here at the bye week, which would have been the time, I think, to uh, or the next chance to, to let him go. They played good. They played inspired on Monday night. I would think, Connor, at this point, Adam Gase is going to make it through 17 weeks. 
Yeah, I mean, they're again, like you fire a coach because you're either like you're at the point of no return, which is kind of where the Jets are. But more than anything else, it's because the team quits. It's because the team quits on them. It's it's the you you have guys that 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 are no longer playing for the coach. They've tuned them out. They've checked out. And the Jets aren't doing that. Like they they played pretty hard against the Chiefs in the first half. It's just a, a team in another realm. You know, they they played hard against the Patriots. I think the one game where you can say like that one was really ugly was the dolphin one it was the dolphin game was one where like the jets seemed like they had completely checked out and that the defense wasn't there. The offense wasn't there. And it was just an ugly beat down to Miami. And, and maybe with a couple more of those, the jets would, the jets would consider letting them go. But I just, I don't, I don't see it. And, and as we're talking about now, like I'm sure we got a press release at like 11 AM, like jets fire Adam Gase, but no, like um, they, like, I, I just don't see why you would make the move. Like it's, the Jets have their reasons, right? Like they, they, we've we've gone over them so many times before. Whether it's the they don't want to add another variable to Sam Darnold, you know, they they don't want to solidify the Johnson's quick trigger finger, you know, mentality. They they also see this as as they don't like the concept of adding of giving the team to Greg Williams. So if you fire Adam Gase, you're also firing Greg Williams. And who runs your defense? Like Denard, I guess you could give Denard Wilson the gig, or you could even make Denard Wilson the head coach and just see what happens there. Like Todd Bowles. When he was in Miami, he got the interim head coaching job, and he didn't have any past coaching or head coaching experience. So um, there are options. But, again, I, I think what you saw last night was a team that got their weapons back for the first time, had all three of their starting receivers, had, until Makai went out, had the the offensive line that Joe Douglas imagined protecting Joe Flacco. And you saw an offense that moved up and down the field. You saw a defense that shut down the run and, and played, you know, the bend, but don't break philosophy, which is all they can really do with how many guys they've traded away. And, and I think you're, you're starting to see like why the gens aren't going to make a change. And at this point, why, like, well, what's the point? Like, why would you get rid of Adam Gase right now? Like what is getting rid of Adam Gase right now going to accomplish? Now, the one thing that I could potentially see, and, and it's probably the only thing that would make me change my mind on, on firing Adam Gase because Adam Gase isn't coming back next year. Like he's going to be fired after the season. The Jets realize that Adam Gase realized that the world realizes that Adam Gase is not coming back. It's just, if he gets fired before the end of the season, I don't think the Jets want to do him like that. So the one thing I could see that change is if there's a candidate that becomes available before the end of the year, where the Jets say like, we need that guy let's put all of our, our, all of our efforts into making it happen right now. Basically what Washington did with, with Ron Rivera last year, where Ron Rivera was let go by the Panthers and Washington was like, that is our guy. That's the dude that can turn our culture around. Let's zero in on him. I don't see that situation in 2020. Like I don't see the guy being let go. Like the jets aren't going to put all their eggs in if, Bill O'Brien's uh, basket. If, if the Cowboys let Mike McCarthy go, you don't think the jets are going to, uh, no, they're react. not, they're not letting him go. Apparently he is <laughs> oh, unequivocally there to stay at, or something along those lines. Say yes, said this we'll week. see. We'll see. But yeah, like, I don't, I don't see like, it, like you know, the Patriots are going to let Bill Belichick go. Like there's not going to be like that candidate that shakes free. Like the Eagles aren't going to fire Doug Peterson where the, the jets could be like, that's the coach I want. I want to get him locked down before we worry about it. So that allows you to like fire Adam Gase, interview interim head coaches, get the minority candidate that you have to check the box off of, and then go hire the coach that you want. You know, like check all the boxes, get everything done, and then go get the guy that you want before the end of the season, basically have that deal locked down. So I don't see that player out there. So at this point, it's, it's Adam Gase going to finish the season. Unless the Jets like lose their next three games by scoring three total points and get blown up by 40, I think it's, it's he's going to be he's gonna be here to stay at least for the uh, the, the rest of the year. And, and honestly, if you're a Jet fan, like, why do you care? 
Like it's not, he's not coming back in 2021. Like he's not, the jets are not going to bring back Adam Gates. There is nothing that will happen between now and the end of the season, barring winning out, which is not going to happen. That is going to have Adam Gase return in 2021. It is not going to happen. So who the hell cares if he coaches the final seven games? Like who cares? He coaches who coaches the final seven games, right? Like what's, what damage is he really going to do? Unless obviously he coaches them so well that they win a game and take you out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, but the opponents at the jets face and, and they, I don't, I don't see that happening unless maybe they beat the Patriots at the end of the year and the chargers after the bye. but that charger game is on the other coast. You know what I mean? So it's, that's, that's, and that's the chargers are good. Their record does not reflect what Correct. They are. that Patriots yeah. games and Raiders. England, maybe so. Raiders are one team. that always sucks when they come to the East coast. So maybe the Raiders are a chance, but I don't, I don't, again, I, I just don't, I don't see it. Like I just don't, I don't see the point in letting Adam Gase go. All it would accomplish is it would appease that section of the fan base. that just wants Adam Gase fired. And, and the jets have clearly shown that they don't, that it's not something they're listening to. They're not listening to the fans cry to fire a coach prematurely. They're just like, look, we're letting him finish out. He's not going to be back next year. So who the hell cares if he coaches the final seven weeks? And what is firing him right now really going to accomplish other than literally nothing? All right. Sam Darnold didn't play, obviously. Shoulder injury acted up again. This is weirdly familiar to the last time where it seemed like he would be fine, but then, you know, the pain was too much and he couldn't play. But news on top of that, Adam Schefter said on Monday um, that teams should expect to have to give up a second and a fifth round pick for Darnold if they want to trade. That's basically what the Cardinals got for Josh Rosen when they sent him to the Dolphins. They got a second round and a fifth round pick. Um, I mean, that seems to me the way the difference here, I think, That's a no brainer between those yeah. two things. Right. And I was going to say it. Rosen was still very like he had he had had his rookie season. And at mm. that point in your career. Right. Who knows? You're still thinking of that college tape and there's still plenty to dream on. I feel like when you think about Sam Darnold, there's a lot of evidence here that he's not that guy. More, Much more evidence than with Rosen and, and the Cardinals. So if the Jets can get a second and a fifth, man, I would be. I'd be shocked. I didn't expect it to be that much. Do you think they could really get that? I think they could if it's a second and a fifth from like a team like the Steelers or a second and fifth from the team like the Colts where the second rounder is really more like a third. You know what I mean? They're not going to get like a top 10 second round pick for Sam Darnold. That's not happening. And, and, you know, I I, I see like the the rows in comparison, I think maybe works. It's it's more like for off field than it is on. Like with Sam – the concerns were all are all on the field. You know what I mean? Like he is regressing. He is clearly taking steps back. Uh, the durability concerns are now very real. Like they are absolutely a legitimate concern. I mean, as a quarterback, your best your best like trade is your availability. And Sam has now missed time in every single season and dealt with injuries. Like for, like he's dealt with physical ailments every single season that he got from playing football. You know, it was the foot injury his rookie year which sidelined him. The mono obviously is what caused him to miss games last year. But he also had a thumb injury that required offseason surgery and hampered him on the field where he was able to play, but he was not the same player. This year, obviously, he had the shoulder injury. Then he re-injured the shoulder again. So it's there are like that's a big issue. Like injuries with quarterbacks are a very big issue because some quarterbacks are just injury prone. And when they're injury prone, you can't trust them to be on the field. Like that's a major issue. It's a major red flag. Then you take into consideration that he's on pace to set a career low in a quarterback rating. He, I mean, Joe Flacco threw more touchdown passes against the Patriots or as many touchdown passes against the Patriots than Sam Darnold has in all of his starts this season. Every one of them, Sam Darnold has three touchdown passes. Joe threw three last night. Like that is a massive issue. And you can blame the talent. That's obviously an issue. You can blame the, co- the coaching. That's obviously an issue. But some of this is also on Sam. 
Like this is also on Sam. Sam's not completely alleviated of all mistakes. Like some of this is on him. He is not having a good season. He's making rookie mistakes. His mechanics are flawed. You have all of these variables that it might be the reason, but it's also still somewhat on Sam. So I, with, with Rosen, you believed in the potential. You believed in the arm strength. You believe his issue was off the field. Like I, I remember talking to scouts, like leading into the draft. And I was like straight up told, I was like, yeah, I was like, so I hear about the you know, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. And this was before Baker was really that big. I was like, oh, yeah, and this Josh Rosen kid I hear like might be the best of all of them. And I had like two or three scouts tell me they're like, uh, stay the hell away from that kid. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, the kid's an asshole. Like he, like his, he's going to have massive red flags. And I remember talking to an agent as well. And the agent said the same thing. He goes, Connor, he goes, that kid is an asshole. He goes, no one is going to follow. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, Connor, he goes, I've repped several UCL pl- players that have been his teammates. He goes, every one of them has come back to me and said, like, I don't like that guy. Like, guys, and, and like, if you're a quarterback, like, if you're a wide on, you don't, you're no, no one likes you. Like, all right, whatever. When you're the quarterback, you know, captivate the team, be the leader. That's a massive red flag. So they were able to get a second and a fifth. The Dolphins were for on field, some issues his rookie year with the Cardinals, plus those off field red flags. Like, I think the main reason why that was the case was because you got the rookie contract with Sam, you're getting his fourth year, then his fifth year option where he's going to be paid big. Then you've got to pay him. And so it's like you lose that. So you have a more film of Sam struggling. You don't have the off field issues that you have with Rosen, but you do have now durability concerns and you're going to have to pay Sam when you weren't going to have to pay Rosen. So if the jets could somehow get a second and a fifth round pick for Sam, I think you do it and you run, you, you take that deal and you go, you go to the bank. You just ask where you sign, assuming, assuming they finish with the number one pick. Like you take that deal. You're like, I'm good. Second and five. Where do I sign? No counter. No. Can I get this? No conditions. Take the two and the five. Like you're fine with it because that would literally give the jets two first round picks in this year's draft, two second round picks, a third round pick, two fours and two fives. Like you'd be fine. Like you're good. Like you're Coogee, man. Like you're fine. Like you're set. Like that's good. Like you, that is a massive draft cash to round out this team and really get this, get really get this thing working. So I think that it's something where if you can get that package, you have to do it. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. So this is like a general theme throughout the chat. This comments from Brian. He says it feels a little empty knowing Flacco could do that. And Sam couldn't. Yeah. And the only count, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like that is, he that did is have all the receivers, which is something that you know, they've it. been kind of whining about all year. And then not having all the weapons in place. And then Derek uh, Crossman, loyal listener chimed in and said, good morning, Tim, Riss and Connor. Here's where the Jets stand with Sam. He's missed three games in 2018, three games in 2019, and now at least three games in 2020. Can't be a franchise quarterback if you can't play. It's true. true. And like, that's like, again, the Jets, if they finish with the number one pick, they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. You're going to flip Sam to the highest, the highest contender. I think the Steelers are a very good fit for Sam. I think that they like they've got Ben. I don't know if Ben's going to come back next season. You can tell he's like Ben's now got two knee injuries. You can tell his body's breaking down. Like that dude's taking a lot of hits 
and he's been playing a really long time. Like you can tell he's breaking down. I think Sam is a perfect fit. Even if he le- learns under under Ben for a year and then takes over, that's fine. Colts another one. Philip Rivers is shot. Like you watch Philip. Like the Colts are winning games in spite of the quarterback. Like Philip Rivers. Did you Rivers see that done. tackle? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I saw. That. I was bad. Like that was bad. What was worse, they, uh, that or um, Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones. I think that. Ball. I think that. Like Daniel. I, I no, think that too. Yeah, because Daniel Jones. Like if anyone has ever been running as <laughs> fast as you possibly can, like everything's moving and then your adrenaline's going like, Oh my God, I'm about to score a 95 yard touchdown. Like you can fall like that yeah. happens. Like so you yeah. run so, so like you're just, your limbs start moving too quick and then you just lose balance. Like it ha- I know he's a professional athlete, but like still that well, happens. Like, Philip Rivers just like, that was a disaster. Like, but again, like Philip's shot, like he's just done. So like, I think the the jets have had a really, well, it was Mike McCagnon, but the jets obviously have a relationship with the Colts from Rex Hogan. Like, I think that's an easy call to make. Like, the Colts are going to be picking in the, in the late 20s. Like, they're going to be picking later on in, in the draft because they're a pretty decent team this year. Flipping a two and a five or even just a two for Sam, I think it makes sense for the Colts. Like, that's when especially if they – and now, again, the X factor in all of this is that you have to have a good a good grade. Like, you had to have had a good grade on him in college because the grade didn't get any better when he's been in the pros. Like, he hasn't, he hasn't improved the grade. So – you have to have had a very high grade on him coming out of USC and still believe that the issues are jets related, not Sam Donald related. So that's why I think the Steelers are one. Um, the Colts obviously are one. The other team that I would keep an eye on, and I don't think they would go with a two because I, I just don't know if they would go that high. Cause they're going to be a pretty bad team this year. And that would be a really high pick, but the Denver Broncos, I would keep an eye on the Denver Broncos because John Elway has proven before that, that he loves quarterbacks He's proven before he's pretty bad at evaluating quarterbacks, even though it was a very good one. Uh, Drew Locke has been like so-so. And and with where they draft him, I mean, it's easy to move on from him after one year. But if they're just looking to add competition to Drew Locke, if they're looking to take a flyer, the Broncos had an extremely high grade on Sam Darnold back in, in the 17 draft. Like, in fact, when I, I remember talking to Mike McCagan about this and, and saying like, man, I was like, when you guys were sitting there at, at um, three, like you moved up to three, which means that you knew quarterback was going one to the Browns. Then you had the giants at two. And then you guys were picking three. Like why weren't you worried about the, the giants possibly taking a quarterback? And what Mike said was he goes, our Intel, he goes, our Intel was so steady that the giants were going Saquon that we weren't worried. We, we had such concrete evidence based on our sources that the giants were going to take Saquon Barkley. And it was not a question that, we didn't worry about it. We knew there was going to be the quarterback that we wanted there. And there, there are two guys that the Jets liked were Baker and Sam. The Jets, though, were convinced that Sam was going one, the Giants were going Saquon, and they were going to get Baker at three. They were convinced on that up until two hours before the draft. The morning of the draft was when they started getting like little rumors and little birdies whisper in the air that like, no, the Browns might actually take Baker. And that's when Mike said, he goes, eh, well, I mean, then we, you know, I, I, that's not going to happen. It's just, it's just draft day rumors. They're still going to go with Sam. They basically didn't believe Sam was going to be the quarter or Baker was going to be the pick for the uh, Browns until like it happened. Right. I remember him asking him, I was like, uh, he goes, he said to me, he goes, when I got nervous, he goes, the only time that I got nervous, he goes, is when Baker went one, he goes, the one thing that I was concerned where I thought about calling Dave Gettleman, he goes, is I knew the Broncos loved Sam. He goes, I knew Denver was obsessed with Sam Darnold. And with Sam there at two, he goes, I did have some concerns that Denver was going to jump up to two again because Denver didn't care too much about Baker. They didn't care too much about Josh Allen and they cared too much about Rosen. They loved, loved Sam Darnold. 
obviously, even if Denver called the Giants, Dave Gettleman said during the draft he didn't even answer the call. He didn't answer any calls to field any kind of questions on Sam Darnold or any questions for them to pick. They were just taking Saquon Barkley, which is uh, malpractice. That's a, a fireable <laughs> offense. Like that, yeah. he should have been fired. Like John Mayer should have fired him then. But again, that's what he said. Blah blah blah. Um, so that's a team that I would watch, like a dark horse team. That if if Drew Lock keeps having this like a eh, year. I could see the Broncos giving the Jets a call. And I don't know if it's a two and a five because they're going to be a pretty, they're not going to, they're going to be picking pretty well this year. But they were, John Elway was in love with Sam to the point where the Jets were legitimately scared about the Broncos draft trading up with them to number two. Um, I would watch that one. That's the one that's the dark horse team I would watch is Denver. I would keep an eye on them. All right. I did want to touch on some of the younger players that that played good, uh, played well on Monday night. Um, Ashton Davis on defense made some plays. Yep. But let's start with Denzel Mims. Uh, four catches, 62 yards. That's career high in yardage. Eight targets, which is good to see because we've seen in the other games where it's three catches on four targets. Uh, but we actually got a question um, in the chat that from Tom Dell, who says Mim seems to disappear in the second half of games. Is this coaching or play calling conditioning, or is he just fading in bigger moments right now? Which is, I don't think he's fading in bigger moments, but it's a good question because that is the way the stats have played out. Um, he's shown these great moments. Obviously he was very good on a couple of catches and, and showed strength and got away from defenders on Monday night, but he has been quiet in second halves. This, this week I'd give him a pass. Because I think the Jets, what the Jets didn't have any plays in the second half. Like I think that's why. Like they they went eleven for seventy five and a touchdown on their their first drive of the third quarter. They threw an interception on their first play in their second possession, and then they went three and out. And the interception was the thrown pass to Mim. So I think if they if it was this was like a this was a weird really short game. Like this game was over. Like this was like a weird game with time of possession and overall plays. Like it was funky. Like there was something. Just the first quarter it, was like 15 minutes real time. Yeah, it felt like, yeah, yeah. It, it, the Patriots ran the ball so much. The jets, like it was just, the jets were working. So there was like time, like they were completing passes. Time was right. Like it was weird. Like it was a very condensed game. So there weren't a lot of plays. I think this is the week I would give him a pass. And, and it was just because he wasn't there, but the first two weeks, yeah, like the jets weren't throwing it to him. The opener, it was the jets put your date or the first game that, that he played the bills put your white on him. So that's, it's a pro bowl all for a corner that like is now on a rookie making his first start. That's why he was erased. The chief game. There's no excuse. Like just start throwing passes up to him. And then obviously this one was just, there was no play. So I wouldn't be overall concerned with it yet. I would be more excited over the fact that this dude's going to be a player. Like if this dude stays healthy, he's going to be a player. He's a physical specimen. He's a beast. He has swag. Like I was talking to people over there at the jets and they said that this guy, every time he steps on the field, he thinks he's the best. Every time Mims steps on the field, he believes he's the best player he's on the field. And that's not like, oh, I'm the best, like, BS. No, he legitimately thinks he's the best, and he talks like he's the best, and he acts like he's the best. And his teammates are obsessed with him because of it. Like, he'll talk shit to defenders in practice. He talks shit to the players he's playing on Sunday. Like, the guy talks his crap because he believes he can walk the walk. And you see Sounds it. Sounds a little bit like, like someone we know. Tim? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, but seriously, like you saw it, like the one catch he makes where he stiff arms the defender and he throws him off like that kind of stuff. Like not every player does, that, especially not receivers. And you look at me, he's got the six, three frame. He can probably still pack on another five pounds of muscle or so to kind of beef up a little bit, be like a two fifteen player. I mean, he's good. Like Mims is good. And I think you you only seen it in quick doses through these three games, but you can tell he's not Stephen Hill. You know what I mean? Like you can tell he's not Devin Smith. Like he's not like these guys that the Jets draft in the second round or higher or something like that, where you're like, Oh, can this guy play? Can this guy? No, you can tell and you can see already that as long as he stays healthy, 
there's there for him to be a player in. And, and he's somebody you can build around. And I'm not worried as much about like the lack of second half production. I think that'll start to come in. Conditioning might be it because he hasn't played too much, but uh, understanding of the offense is something else to come into play. But I think you'll, you'll see it start to come on. And, and this game was a big step in the right direction. He's going to be a player. The other one, uh, Perryman. Perryman's a guy that that five one on one two touchdowns. What you saw from him, and I, I tweeted this out last night. I would not be opposed at all to the Jets bringing Perryman back next year. Like the season he's having, it's not going to break the bank. You're not. It's not going to cost them ten million a year. It's not going to cost him twelve million a year. They can probably get him back for basically the same contract that they gave him this year. One year five million. One year four million. Maybe if he really lights it up these final eight seven weeks, they can get him for six million. Why not bring him back? Like, he's not a number one. It's clear he's not a number one. It's not a number two. He's not a number two. He's probably not even a number three. Like, he's not reliable enough. But the Jets are going to add weapons for Trevor Lawrence this offseason. So, whether it's Juju, whether it's Allen Robinson, whether it's drafting someone in the first round, you're looking at a top three receiving core of Denzel Mims outside, whomever they add outside, Jamison Crowder in the slot. That's a good one-two-three punch. If you with $98 million or $80 million or whatever salary, crazy salary cap space the Jets are going to have in 2021, if you have this extra money, why not give why not give Perryman like four or five million dollars a year to come back and be your deep threat number four option? Like suddenly that one, two, three, four, like that actually looks really good. Like you could like just imagine this for a second. Like you have Denzel Mims going into his second year, like what you've seen from him, like legitimate number one wide receiver potential. There's Denzel Mims. You've got Allen Robinson on the other side. You've got Jamison Crowder as your slot. And then your number four wide out is, is Brashad Perryman. Like that's a really solid one, two, three, four punch. Like that's four deep. And then obviously you have the younger guys that can rotate in with like a Jeff Smith and a Lawrence Cager and guys like that. Like you have little guys that you can still kind of develop and Braxton Berrios as well as your backup slot. But like, that's a really good, that's a really good set of weapons for a, uh, for a quarterback to work with. And you keep working on the offensive line. You have P Ryan at running back. You've got, Maybe Chris Herndon has a bounce back season. Who knows? Can't go anywhere down from this. But like, there's some there's some pieces there really to work with. So I know it's probably not a popular opinion. It's not a. It's not a. Maybe I'll write a column on it like later this week during the buy. Is is my opinion on it? But like, I think that would actually be a smart move for the Jets. Like, why not? Why not bring Perryman back? Like, I don't. I don't think it's it's out. Like, if he's asking for ten million, no. But for four million, five million, why not bring him back? He showed last night what he can do when he's healthy. One more topic, and we got to be quick on this one, but uh, Ashton Davis, who I mentioned. So we talked a week ago about how bad Ashton Davis was in his first start. Um, so when you look at Monday night, I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is you see a guy who from his first real dose where he looked bad and looked kind of just that he wasn't ready for the NFL, one week later, the strides he took are huge. And, and that's just so encouraging, I think, when you look down the road of what this guy can be. Because obviously the physical ability is there. Keep getting better. Just just keep getting better. That's the thing with Ashton. It's like he doesn't have that much playing football experience, but he's like a physical freak. Super right. fast, super strong. You saw that hit on Cam Newton. That dude packs a punch. And like, to get not- to him, right? The move he, I mean, he abused the receiver first the, off the, to get off the block. Yeah. And then to Completely get to Cam, hit And too. obviously a little high, but... But it was a great yeah. move. Completely legal hit, too. Completely yeah. legal hit. Like, the force of that hit made it look illegal. That's right. when you know that's a pop. Like, when the force of a hit makes it look illegal, that's when you know it's a freaking pop. And and I think you you saw um, – you're starting to see him get better. You know, he's got to improve his coverage skills, which will come in time. 
He's got to improve uh, his deep zone, like not like man-to-man coverage skills, I mean, but also his ability to play in space when you're the deep safety and when you're playing zone coverage, which again, comes in time when you recognize coverages, you see what offenses do, you recognize route concepts, like all of it's going to come in time. Denard Wilson is obsessed with this kid. So it's like, he's constantly there trying to make the kid better. He's, he, he literally is obsessed with them. So you see why the jet, and you're starting to see like, again, the physical skills are there, the talent's there. It's all, it's, it all eventually come together for Ashton Davis. And you see why, why the jets wanted to take him in the third round. It's just, it's again, he's a developmental project. Like he's, it's going to, it's why he wasn't, it's why he was there in the third and not taken top 10. Like there's things he's got to work on, but if he works on them and he comes along and he keeps improving, like he's going to be, he's going to be a player. He's going to be a player. All right. One more thing. Becton, um, just an update. Anything there, Connor, obviously it's a chest injury, which I mean, if you're going to talk about injuries for an offensive lineman, that's fine. Like <laughs> that's something that that isn't going to be a, a long-term thing and affect him. But that said, and there's been a lot of talk about this in the chat, it's been a lot of little nagging things. When do you get mm-hmm. concerned about Makai Becton's injuries? I would be more concerned about Makai Becton's injuries if they were like foot issues, um, right. if they were like lower body stuff, because usually when that starts happening, it means you're um, you're carrying too much weight you're too big for your body. And there have been like, that was his issue in college was like, he's too big. Like he needs to lose weight. And then in training camp, he said how he showed up a little overweight and he needed to lose weight. And then it was like, halfway there was like, well, you talked to us right after the draft, about how you figured out how to lose weight and you figured out what you need to do. How are you overweight when camp begins? And then it's the middle season. All of a sudden the injuries start coming up. I mean, that's a sign that a guy weighs too much, but when it's the, the chest injury, which is probably like, it could be a pectoral issue. Like, but so we'll find out more about that when we talk to, when we talk to Adam Gase in a bit um, or later on today, he'll have his, his kind of recap and he'll tell us what's going on with Becton. I don't, I don't think it's going to be overly concerning. I don't think the jets are like super like season ending worried. I don't think it's like a torn pectoral. I, I don't, but we'll see. We're going to talk to Gase. We'll see. He, he actually uh, just tweeted. He said, I'm good. Everybody. Thanks for asking with this emoji and the 100 emoji. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. So, so honestly, like, yes, you don't want to see your, the franchise left tackle. This guy's a stud. You don't want to see him constantly missing time, but like the shoulder injury was like a fluke thing that then he kind of like didn't re-injure, but was just in too much pain to try to play. Like he didn't re-injure it against the Broncos. It was just too much pain for him to deal with. So he had to sit out, you know what I mean? And and then this one is just another kind of like fluke issue. If it was like lower body stuff, that's where I'd start to get concerned because again, that's that, that ties to the weight. And then it's like, dude, you need to lose weight. And he's just not doing it. So um, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't be freaking out about that one yet. I wouldn't be freaking out. Not, not yet. Not yet. All right. That's going to do it for us. So it is a bye week. So we won't have a second episode this week, but we'll be back early next week. I'll probably work in a mailbag uh, early next week, getting ready for uh, the next game as the Jets continue to uh, roll along here, 0 and 9, first time in franchise history that the New York Jets have been 0 and 9. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Connor's at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. Tim M McMaster for me and Marissa's at Marissa underscore Morris. If you need to join the Athletic, you should. Great stuff on the Athletic, Connor stuff, and all our other NFL writers and every other sport you follow. All the New York teams, great coverage. Go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast right now. You can join for just $1 a week. Have a great week, everybody.